Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am back in the podcast studio with Mr. Grant Wilkie. Hello, everybody. Jesus in headphones himself. He is here. My hair is long and I have a beard. That's what she means. That is what I mean. I hope to look Christ-like. And and, uh, as we were getting ready for this episode, we were talking about one football team in particular. The Denver Broncos. Tell tell us about the Broncos, Grant. Hey, all I got to say is Broncos country, this ride. I don't know what that means, but I do know that Tim Tebow used to play for the Broncos. <laughs> Tim Tebow did used to play for the Broncos. And he is known for his famous eye black sticker things. And what did it say on that eye black? I believe it said John 3.16, which is very fitting because today we're in John 3. Amen, girl. So Grant, just give us, you know, high-level overview, John 3. Really just take the mic. Take it away. So if y'all were with us yesterday, we talked about how John 2 had three main sections. It was two big events and then kind of an explanation about those events at the end of the chapter. Yep. John 3 is kind of similar. There's two conversations in this, one with Jesus and one about Jesus that has an explanation of these conversations at the end of the chapter. So the, the three main passages are, number one, a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, who is this up-and-coming leader of the Jews. And he's really not getting it. He's really not struggling. He's struggling. He's on the struggle bus. Yeah. And there's the conversation about Jesus with John the Baptist, Mr. Camel's camel hair or camel skin, probably camel hair. Yeah. Camel hair and honey and locust, the original hipster, John the Baptist himself. That's right. And I think T.A. once said he wants to bring John the Baptist style back. Bring, don't wear camel why. hair and stuff. I'm not sure either, but uh, maybe he'll do it one day. And at the Him end of the skinny pa- jeans, <laughs> camel hair and skinny jeans. I camel can see hair it and now. skinny jeans. And after this, there's this exaltation of Christ that comes explaining these. So let's just jump in. Yeah, we'll talk about this first conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. So we made a joke at the beginning about John three sixteen. That's probably the most well known Bible verse. In the world. John 3.16. Emma, John 3.16, give it to us. All right. It, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember, we talked yesterday about this theme running through John. Believe, believe, believe in God and you will find eternal life. Probably the clearest statement in the book of John of this idea of belief is found right here. John 3, 16. But the larger context of this passage is Jesus actually referring to this story in the Old Testament where the people of Israel disobeyed God and God sent this really interesting punishment to them where, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of scary. Uh, the people of Israel sin and God sends these snakes into the camp of Israel oh, yeah. to start biting people and people are dying left and right from snake bites. Now, if you're anything like me, you're the idea thinking, of, <laughs> what a horrible, what a horrible way to go. I know it's <laughs> terrifying. It's like Harry Potter one, uh-huh. you know, when he falls through the glass at the zoo and he's by that, oh, yeah. he's by that snake. It just terrifies me. But in this passage, we see that God also provides a means of escape for His people. And 
God tells Moses to create this bronze serpent that if he lifts it up into the sky and people look at it, they will be healed from their snake bite. Now, that sounds really interesting. The thing that was killing people was put on a stick and raised up. And if people just looked at it and believed in God, they would be saved. That's exactly what happens with Jesus on the cross. Now, Jesus isn't the one killing people. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the scripture is really clear that Jesus took on our sin for us. He became cursed. And that curse was put on a cross, a cross of wood, lifted up in the sky. And anyone who looks upon Jesus and believes shall be saved. That's what John 3, 14 and 15 predicts. This is before Jesus went to the cross, but it says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This conversation with Nicodemus just shows us that Jesus has the power to save if we simply look at him. And I find it so hard sometimes to look to Jesus instead of trying to save myself. It's humbling. I want to be in control. I want to fix my own problems. And instead of trusting God, I trust my own my own authority, my own strength, my own wisdom. And I fall short again and again and again. Uh, Emma, why do you think it's so hard to look to Jesus for help? You know, I think I think the answer is simple and that it's that we're broken sinners. Mm. Like if if sin hadn't entered the picture, it would be so much easier. Yeah. But because we are still sinners, even if we're in Christ, there's there's always going to be a level of a level to which that choice is more difficult and we'll have to deny ourselves. I mean, as Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, follow me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and come after me. Summarizing. And it's this idea of, hey, there's something to uh being a servant or being a disciple of Christ yeah. that requires me to put aside my selfish desires. Yeah. And and practically that could look like, hey, I uh why is it that I would rather stay up late scrolling on social media or for me it's YouTube, like that is my guilty pleasure, watching YouTube videos or a TV show than go to bed early and get up the next day at a, d- a decent hour so I can mm, read my Bible. Or I'd rather do those restful activities as opposed to meeting with my Heavenly Father to rest. Yeah. And you boil those scenarios down and at the end of the day it's, I don't want to deny myself even though in denying myself, I'm actually doing what's best for myself and those around me. Yeah. That actually leads us perfectly into our next discussion about this conversation with John the Baptist. Uh, These people come up to John the Baptist and his disciples, and they start comparing John the Baptist, who's one of Jesus' hype men. Hmm. They start comparing him, uh, and they start comparing Jesus and John the Baptist against each other. They're pitting them against each other. And John the Baptist makes this really interesting claim. He says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. I'm like, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. Just a weird language. What he's saying is, hey, I'm just the best man. Jesus is the groom. This is his wedding. I'm not trying to get in the way. I want him to have the best day of his life. I am just trying to help him. I want to cheer him on. I want to boost him. I want to give the best, best man speech ever. And he says this in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
I don't think there's a single verse in the Bible more humbling than that. Because I look at that and I want to mean it. Yeah. But so often I don't. So often I say, Jesus must increase, but so must I. You relate to that at all? Oh, totally. It, that's, I think, what we want to do, but it's an, often it's not actually what we do. We say, oh, I want to make much more of Jesus. I want to live for him. But then we put Jesus into this box where we meet with him in the morning and move on with our, our day and neglect to think about him as we go to work, as we talk with your kids, if you've got them, or your spouse, or your friends, or your community group. Uh, we don't we don't keep him on the forefront of our minds as mm. much as we should. Yeah. And so if we take those two ideas, number one, that Jesus has the power to save. And number two, that Jesus is better. He must increase. If we take those two ideas and combine them, we actually get the point of this next passage, the end of chapter three. We're not going to have time to read the entire thing, but I want to highlight two verses. Number one, John 31, John 3, 31. He says, he who comes from above is above all. So this sounds like dialogue, but it's actually, uh, it seems like the words of John the apostle explaining these two conversations. He's kind he, of recapping. He's kind of recapping. He says, he who comes from above is above all. And later on in verse 35, it says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. So Jesus comes from above and all things are in his hand. And remember, we just talked about how Jesus is better and Jesus has the power to save. How are those things true? Well, it's because Jesus is above everything. And if Jesus is above everything, it does mean indeed that he is better. John the Baptist was entirely right in verse 30 when he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And Jesus, if he is above everything, it means that he is in control. Just like 35 said, the Father has given all things into his hand. And just like Jesus talked about with Nicodemus, if we simply look to him, we can receive help and salvation and healing. He is in control. And so finally, Emma, I have one more question for you. I'd love to pick your brain. Hit me with it. If Jesus is better and he's in control because he's above all things, how should we respond? I think we yield to him. Like if I, if I actually believe, and this is so much easier said than done, but if I actually believe that he is better than anything this world has to offer and that he's in control in any situation of want or doubt or misunderstanding, anytime I'm, I'm questioning God's will for my life or the direction I should head in or the why behind a scenario, my, my response should then be to remember That's good. who he is. He comes he who comes from above is above all. He who comes from heaven is above all. And, and it's it's crazy because God, who verse 35, God who loves Jesus so much has given all things into his hand. So when I'm questioning, when I'm in need, when I'm doubting, if I look to him, I will find answers. Now that might not mean clear direction, go this way or go that way, but it will mean comfort or peace, the reminder that he's with me, that I'm not having to navigate those those questions alone. It, it also means that when I'm presented with something that I desire that is of the world, if I invite him into those moments and even just keep truth top of mind, I can then remind myself, hey, this thing that seems to be appealing or is luring me away isn't because Jesus is better than all Amen. things. We just forget. 
And I think it's that simple. Grant, I wish we could keep talking. It has been a delight to have you on the podcast. Where could, if somebody wants to meet you, where could they find you on a Sunday? What service you go to, where you at? I am at the nine o'clock, but I also serve at our five o'clock for our new prayer service. Come pray with me. Come pray with Grant. In the chapel. In the chapel on on Sundays at 5 p.m. at Watermark Dallas. And as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.